Welcome to Adventures in God with Jared Lasky. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and equipped through this podcast as we have conversations with friends from around the world. You can subscribe to our podcast and go to our website, firebornministries.com, and sign up for our email list to stay up to date on Fireborn Ministries. And may you have your own adventures in God. And now we hope you enjoy today's podcast. Thank you so much for joining in today on Adventures in God. I'm your host, Jared Lasky of Fireborn Ministries, and I'm excited to introduce you today to revivalist and apostolic overseer, Brian Britton. Brian oversees the Harvest Family Network, and he's ordained with Iris Global Ministries, which is overseen by Heidi and Roland Baker. I hope you enjoy this conversation of Adventures in God. All right. Hi, this is Brian Britton with the Harvest Family Network and the Dwelling Place. Man, it's good to be with you today. Well, thank you so much, Brian. It's I met you just a couple of years ago at a power surge, and yes, uh, or maybe maybe it was a Sunday service, and maybe it was several Sunday services. But I saw the anointing and humility on your life, and I was excited to even get to know you. So I think it's been a wild ride, and working together for power and love, and just seeing you on social media with Brazil and your ministry. So, what is your heart and passion? What is what is God doing in you and through you right now? Oh man. Uh... Yeah, like I said, it's so good to, to be with you here today and Adventures for God and uh, love what you're doing as well. So it's a real honor for me. So thanks so much. And my heart is to see, you know, a million on-fire missionaries sent forth from Brazil and uh, to also raise up and encourage and stand behind another million, like, revivalists in the nation. So I'm all about encouraging and discipling this future generation, I've asked God to give me, you know, this generation for his glory. And uh, so this is what I'm going after, man. I want to see a generation burning for him. And we're beginning to see it in Brazil. And it is so incredible to be a part of it. That's awesome. I'm excited for that as well. I've never been to Brazil, but I'm planning on it. Um, Maybe even learning some Portuguese. But as I was sensing that we should talk about intimacy first, because I think that honestly, when I'd first met you, that was something that I could see on you. It was like an anointing of intimacy with the king. So with intimacy, how do you connect with the king and then let that flow out of your life into ministry or in your the day-to-day tasks? Well, well uh, yeah, I believe that all fruit comes from intimacy with God. And this is one of the great promises of the gospel, you know, that, that he's with us. He's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. He's Emmanuel. And, you know, I, I think I stumbled upon something early in my walk with the Lord. When I was a seminary student at Regent University years ago, I found this book uh, called Practicing the Presence of God. Mm-hmm. It's an, it an old book written by a monk years and years ago. But basically, this man learned how to bring God into his daily walk, into everything that he did. Like he worked in the kitchen, in the monastery. He learned to bring God into those moments, and so much so that he was marked by the presence of God, that people came from around the world to see him, just to be around him because of that. So I learned to bring him into whatever job I had. Like whether I was at the time I was doing landscaping, and later I worked in an office, and I just, you know, I learned to bring him into my moments. And I, this has been the greatest key in my life, is to just be aware of him at all times, acknowledge him, you know, uh, focusing uh, on him as I can, bringing him into everything. Because he loves us, he loves his sons and daughters, and he wants to share our lives with us. You know, that's what this is about. 
That's right. It's about communion with him. And you're also, you oversee the Harvest Network or Harvest Family Network. And you've been with Iris Ministries for a number of years and a revivalist, evangelist, apostolic overseer, a lot of hats, a lot of different roles. But what is revival to you? Oh, wow. (laughs) So I believe revival has, um, you know, different definitions to different people. To me, revival is, you know, when Jesus touches something, when he awakens something. Revival, I would think by definition, means that something that has been sleeping or dormant becomes alive or awakens. I believe that revival is for the church, and I love to see the church stirred up and just uh, growing in hunger for the things of God. So I think when we, when revival, what we call revival takes place, I believe there's several ingredients. I know prayer is one, but when you get enough people in a place to really believe that God is there, that the heavens are open, that anything's possible, that he's really in the room. And, and there's a hunger in the people and faith. I, I think that what we call revival happens. So I've been blessed to see this in a lot of different places and cultures, including, you know, here in the United States, but especially with Iris Global and the nation of Mozambique. And now we're in the beginnings of something really special, I believe, in Brazil. And uh, I was actually lucky enough, my first mission trips I went on in the early 2000s were to a couple of nations that were really experiencing powerful moves of God. That's Nigeria and West Africa. At the time, the whole southern part of the nation was just burning in the powerful move of God, and also Brazil during that time. Uh, I think I'm really blessed to have been able to experience that you know, early on in my ministry. And how could you identify revival when it takes place? I mean, I've been to lots of different conferences mm-hmm. and uh, seen the marketing and the branding, but what is genuine revival? How can you know that this is this is God-made, this isn't man-made? Yeah, uh, well, I, I believe, of course, you know, you see uh, miracles and there's excitement and the, the hunger, but I believe the genuine revival is, is marked by the fire, you know, just by the fire of God. And, and that's something that uh, is really special. You know, we talk about the sovereignty of God and, you know, God does what he pleases. <laughs> so uh, it cannot be controlled, you know, by man. It cannot be generated. It's something that uh, that God does. And But he lives in the praises of his people. You know, one of the things that I've found that really helps and, you know, anywhere that there's a real move of God, there's, there's freedom and uh, the fire is allowed to burn. And as soon as you start trying to, to clamp down on that, to put the control on it, you know, that the fire leaves. Or, you know, when when everything's about Jesus, you know, the fire is there and God is always moving. You know, when the message is about Jesus, when it's the gospel that we are preaching, the cross and the resurrection and the and the blood and these things, but the moment it becomes about us, you know, the, the fire the fire leaves. So I think that genuine revival is marked by the fire of God, the, the power of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God that's tangible. You know, in a place. Are, are there signs of the fire of God or markers or pointers that you that we can know that this is God's fire? Uh, yeah, 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 I think so. You know, you, you see salvations, miracles, and transform lives. You know, so I, I think these are the these are the big, you know, indicators. The glory realm of God, where where it, it's bigger than the anointing. I think the revival is happening. It's bigger than the anointing on any man. You know, and I love the anointings and gifts that God gives to men uh, and women, uh, but there, there's something about uh, a genuine move of God where it's bigger than that. It's the, it's the glory realm of God where where it's not where people are healed just in the presence of God. People are saved and fall down walking in the door. You know, it's it's bigger than just anything that's on any man or woman. 
Yeah, that's awesome. I've uh, years ago I was a participant of the Albany Vineyard Revival. I think it was the years 2000, 2001, two, three. Uh, it was it was phenomenal, life changing. Those meetings, I, I would travel like an hour just to get there. I'd bring busloads yeah. of kids in this Jesus bus that had all this Christian graffiti on the side. Um, they had all kinds of different revivalists, and that that changed me and marked me. And, and what are some revivals that you've been a participant of? Yeah, well, I mentioned the revival in in Nigeria in the early 2000s. Also part of this move of God and, and with Irish Global Ministries, which is, to me is just something I'm so thankful to be a part of. A, a tremendous, you know, for those who don't know, it's a, a missions movement, church planting movement started by Roland and Heidi Baker. Really came to life in Mozambique about a, a little over 20 years ago totally unreached part of the nation, unreached people group. Now over, well over 5,000 churches in the nation of Mozambique. Can't, uh, many, many people raised from the dead. I don't want to give numbers, but a lot. Wow. You know, I've heard numbers as high as like 200 wow. uh, during this time. Just to be a part of that and to see that happen among people of, uh, unreached peoples of other faiths coming to Jesus in mass numbers. Where we've seen, uh, I've seen a thousand people in a village, a whole village come to the Lord in one night. Wow. Uh, it's really, really, really special. And then here in the United States, uh, a local church that we led here in Virginia, where we had, uh, we met for 30 straight days a couple times when God was moving. We did one time for eight and a half months, five nights a week, 30 days to begin it. And it was just really something special. So I've seen God in different cultures, you know, including here in the United States. And uh, I, I believe he's He's ready. And uh, when, when we align with him, when when we really want him more than anything else, you know, when the bride calls, the bridegroom, I believe, is quick to come. Veronica Ortiz, Rivera's worst nightmare, came true November 16, 2010. When her doorbell rang at Camp Lejeune in Jacksonville, North Carolina, three men were standing outside, two U.S. Marines and one man wearing a U.S. Navy uniform. At first, she didn't know why they were there, but reality set in when one of them said, we need to speak with you regarding your husband. May we come inside? In this heartfelt story about grief, family, and appreciating our nation's heroes, she recalls hearing the devastating news that her husband, Javier Ortiz Rivera, had been killed in Afghanistan by an improvised explosive device and how she broke the news to her children. In this book, she celebrates the memory of her husband, their love, and how her family stuck together during the most difficult of times. Drawing on their faith, they continue to honor their hero through how they live their lives. Written by Veronica Ortiz Rivera and Jared Lasky. You can purchase a paperback, hardcover, or ebook of Veronica's Hero online from Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, Lulu.com, or the Apple Store. You're mentioning Brazil, and what is God currently doing through you? You're spending quite a bit of time there, and what are you seeing God do? Yeah, well, in Brazil, I think one of the most special things that's happening there right now is there is we're in the beginnings of something really powerful with young adults. I uh, say like ages uh, from the late teens to the early 30s, uh, mid 30s, there's just something powerful happening where even in every major city of Brazil, there's movements of young people worshiping, doing evangelism on the streets outside of the local churches all over Brazil. It's something really special. There's mission schools, uh, which are really special to me. You know, I love to teach in mission schools and raise up missionaries. And they're popping up all over Brazil now, literally all over the country where 10, 15 years ago, you know, there was one IRA school that I knew of and maybe one or two other schools, you know, in the whole country. And now they're just everywhere with thousands of 
of missionaries being trained. Uh, so for me, like this special thing is uh, what's happening with the young adults in this is such a hunger. I mean, the move is holiness and to really preach the gospel. Uh, incredible worship movement that's rising up with, I believe this is happening all over the world, but especially a special anointing on Brazil for worship. A lot of great songs and songwriters and worshipers rising up who also have a strong message here, who are young preachers. And this is young men and women, so it's really encouraging. Oh, that's incredible. That's that's good to hear. And um, here, as what you're seeing, what are some stories of healing or miracles or what are some incredible creative miracles or things that, that you're just seeing taking place, not just through you, but through the others that you're training? Yeah, man. Well, we have, uh, we have heard lots of reports, you know, of, of God moving in the meetings we see in our meetings, you know, we see, we're at a time where we see almost anyone who has like pain in their body, you know, is, is being healed, you know, in the meetings. We, there was an incredible, like, powerful miracle that was caught on camera last year with a, a friend of mine, Richie Seltzer, who was ministering in, in Brazil, where of a guy, uh, of someone getting out of a wheelchair, I think it was a young lady getting out of a wheelchair, and it went viral in the church in an instant. It spread throughout the whole church of Brazil, just building the faith of, of everyone. But uh, we've seen uh, pretty much almost any meetings here in the United States, too. I know in Virginia Beach, uh, I've been in meetings where hundreds of people have been healed in one night. Wow. Uh, at the Rock Church a couple of years ago, I was over at one. So this is happening all over the world. But when we, but I think we need to have faith. We need to believe for it. Uh, we've seen things in our local churches where we had one night in our church in Williamsburg where we had three ladies who had scars on their body. And the scars disappeared like during praise and worship, during the ministry time. Uh, we've see, we've had heart transplants canceled. We've had, we have one man in our church who's a builder, and uh, he recently moved to Phoenix, Arizona. But I know he prayed for over ten people that had cancer who were healed wow. over the course of I don't know eight or nine years. Uh, man, we've we've seen pretty much anything you could think of. We've had three people stand in the pulpit of our church, man, and give testimony of how God used them to pray for someone who was dead when they found them and they rose up oh, here wow. in Virginia. Wow. So I, I believe we're. There's never been a time like this, I believe, in the history of the church where there's more worship songs being written, more people coming to the Lord, more miracles happening around the world, uh, and not just through you know the super apostles or whatever, but but through regular church members. I was in a, I'm sorry if I'm rambling, but I'm really excited. Like I was in in Nepal one time, and uh, there was a, a Hindu elder who had passed away uh, outside of Kathmandu, Nepal, in a village, and nearby YWAM had just planted a church and the church plan at the time was maybe 15 or 20 people women and children only maybe one or two young boys uh that was it <laughs> and this hindu elder died and the grandchildren of this hindu elder had heard stories about jesus from the children who had recently uh, been a part of this church plan through youth with a mission there and, and they invited these kids and women to come pray for their grandfather and the grandfather rose up from the dead then the next day I'm preaching in a little church, and he walks in with his whole household. Wow. It's like something out of the book of Acts. He walked in with his whole household, and they all gave their lives to Jesus that day in the church. And Children, you know, praying. So, God, there's no junior Holy Spirit. In... Oh, you know what? I was actually just about to say that, yeah. <laughs> that there is no junior Holy <laughs> Spirit, because, you know, the Holy Spirit moves on each and every one of us, and it doesn't matter what our age. John the Baptist yeah. was filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. And I don't even know what that looks like because that changes my theology or, you know, kind of ruins it, wrecks it. But I think yeah. I think the Holy Spirit enjoys that. I mean, my kids were baptized with the Holy Spirit at the ages of four and five. 
Uh, And there is no junior Holy Spirit. So you're raising up missionaries through Mm -hmm. all the nations, uh, especially in Brazil in this current season of your life. And um, and you're also uh, the kids. How is the Holy Spirit moving on the kids in Brazil? Man, we've seen uh, we've seen some powerful instances. You know, the children of God moving upon the children, and uh, we think. Uh, I was just in a church. It was on our it was on our last trip here. And we were talking about how how God wants to use you know the children. We have a base uh, with Iris Global outside of Rio de Janeiro, ministering to these families. There's uh, over 150 families that live on or around this garbage dump. They make their living from this garbage dump. And the children are a part of the church on the base. And God's really moving on the children. And uh, we've seen the children praying for people who, people are coming to visit this base and serve on this base. And the children are are praying for them. And God is using the kids and moving powerfully on the kids, kids weeping. We took kids home from the church meeting. Me and the pastor were dropping them off, you know, where they live. And they're under the power of the Holy Spirit, can hardly walk. They're laughing. They're crying. You know, when we drop them off from the church meetings in the middle of the night, uh, it's really, really amazing to see God moving on the children. We have a a minister in Iris Global uh, who's actually, he's our chief operating officer, Will Hart, and he's got an incredible anointing to to minister to children, to see the power of God come and move upon them and and transform their lives, where I've seen hundreds of kids weeping, which is not normal, (laughs) under the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I just, I got a message from a missionary who's in our Harvest Family Network in, in India. And him and his wife just took part in a conference in Singapore. And he sent me pictures of the same thing with God moving on the kids. Wow. So beautiful. That's awesome. That sounds very special. And you mentioned yeah. Harvest Family Network. Is that something that you started um, or you inherited? Uh, how did God move you into that direction? Uh, you know, yeah, we, it's something that has always kind of been on my heart for, for years uh, it's something I knew that we would do. Like, I've always had a heart to, I love family. I believe family is, you know, the government of God. I believe uh, I believe it's the new wineskin, and I believe it's the original. You know, I think God loves family. When he wants to do something, he looks for family. And, and I just in my travels, I came upon people who were kind of independent and, and uh, were really looking for family. Or they joined different networks after network trying to find just real authentic family relationships. And a lot of people even leave the church. Because uh, one of the top reasons, I think, is that, you know, there's no community, there's no family. So I, I've, I've been asking God how to do that. And about two and a half, almost three years ago, we started the Harvest Family Network. We ordained some people in our local church and also people I've been in a relationship. It was 10 people when we began. And now we have uh, about 60 members in 16 different nations around the world. And I really have a heart for missionaries that feel disconnected why they're on the field or itinerant ministers uh, that sometimes when they're traveling, a lot of times, uh, you know, they feel like they're not getting enough support from their local churches or whatever. And, you know, I just love to help provide that, you know, and, and uh, through prayer and encouragement. That's something that I feel is a special anointing that I have is to encourage and to pray and stand behind and cheer people on. So that's kind of what that is about. So it's very much a relationally connected network yes. and providing oversight and covering. But uh, you're... Your website had mentioned spiritual fathering, and I was wondering what that, what fathering looks like to you. Yeah, well, to me, as I, I minister in a lot of places, you know, where there's, well, it's a big problem around the world where there's, there's not fathers, and and what really, and in Paul, the Apostle Paul addresses this. You know, he's like, we have many teachers, uh, many fathers, right? I found it to be a great need, and really, what it is to me is always being available. 
and being a source of encouragement and prayer, you know, at any time. Like, so any mission school that I teach in, a lot of the churches that I go to, I always tell the people, I'm like, hey, I'm available. I'm available to encourage you, to pray for you at any time. And not everyone wants that or needs that. But the one, I kind of open up that door and the ones who, who do, they come through the door and we enter a relationship together. And, and really it's about me just being available to encourage them as much as they want. And that's kind of what it looks like. You'd be amazed at how many people feel alone in, in ministry, uh, missionaries, people that they just feel, and it's not good to be alone in ministry. And that's when the, the right. enemy comes after us, when we start feeling that way, believing that lie that we're alone. Right. As you equip people around the world, what are some keys that you want to want to impart to those currently called or who are preparing themselves for a life of serving and a life of miracles? Yeah, there's some keys. Wow. Well, you mentioned it right off as the intimacy with God is, is the biggest thing. Cultivate that time. Be, in, be intentional. Uh, be intentional. And if you want to keep any relationship, you know, hot and burning, we have to be intentional. And it's the same with, with Jesus, you know, Father and Holy Spirit. Be intentional about being with them, spending time with them. Pray. Uh, I don't know how much anyone who's listening, I don't know how much you guys pray, but I can just tell you right now, you need to pray more. And the, the more you have to do, the more you need to pray. And, and we bring everything to God, but then we listen even more than we talk. And he's got amazing things that he wants to say to us. And he'll share his opinions with us. He'll give us insight and revelation, wisdom and knowledge. And, you know, so that intimacy with God, prayer and uh, in worship. Uh, worship is so key, I believe, because, you know, the Bible tells us that he lives in our praises. He's enthroned in our praises. And with simple worship and adoration, uh, we can shift the atmospheres everywhere we are. Works in the church, but it works in our home, workplaces, the car, wherever we are. I mean, I mean, these are key things, prayer, worship, intimacy with God, you know, wow. and then this enables us to to fulfill, you know, the, the Great Commission to go to make disciples and to teach people how to obey the commands of Jesus, which is to love God with everything in prayer and worship and reading the Word of God. Like, oh, if you love Jesus, you should be in love with His Word, you know? Like, don't tell me you love Jesus if you don't have a love for His Word, because right. oh, when you when you love Him, you just love the Word. And, uh, and these things just make us fall more and more in love with Him. So the, the, the more we jump in with Him and bring Him into our moments, the more we fall in love with Him if we're listening, because He's just always telling us about our identity, who we are, and how He loves us, and then loving others. Uh, and Jesus said, you know, a new commandment I have for you. Love, these are the, this is like the great commandment, I believe. Love one another like I loved you. No agenda, unconditionally. No matter if they love you back, no matter how they treat you, we just love because that's who we are. Right before Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave his disciples the Great Commission, promising them the precious gift of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1, verse 8, Jesus said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. With the Holy Spirit as your teacher, Jared Lasky developed a new Bible study journaling system that is sure to equip you in your adventure with God. The Spirit Empowered Journal offers life-changing steps that will enhance your biblical studies. 
This journal will not only help you know how God spoke in the scripture, but also what he is speaking to you now. This is an incredible approach to Bible study, empowering your spiritual journey. Your relationship with the Holy Spirit and understanding of the scriptures will increase as you use the Spirit-Empowered Journal. Buy your paperback copy on Amazon.com or FirebornMinistries.com. Yeah, I'm so thankful that you mentioned love because I believe that love is key and God is love and we're supposed to love everybody. And look at, you know, I think some years ago I looked at people rather as a project, more as an evangelistic, you know, situation instead of someone that God loves. And I'm thankful that I've discovered, hey, just look at them as how God loves them and minister to them, uh, whether it's the waiters or waitresses. Uh, I mean, just asking the Holy Spirit to speak to them and, and he does and they're they're just blown away by that um, so everything's got to be love based absolutely man love I believe love is the greatest power in the universe he is love and the Bible says he poured love into us and the Holy Spirit he poured himself into us so a lot of times people think oh we don't have anything what do I have to offer what can I say to this person what and, and we have that we have love we have him and we have our testimony so these two things we are equipped with we're equipped with himself the most powerful force in the universe love and um, and our testimony we have these things yeah I, I love that what would you say to a person who feels called to the mission field mm-hmm. but yet is looking at the financial situation or the lack of it what would be some advice to someone in those types of situations yeah, well, this is a big thing, something that everyone thinks about when it comes to mission. And uh, it's normal, but, uh, but I, I will, uh, this is what I say to all of our students, you know, anywhere in the world where I'm teaching, at any school, I always say, if we have a word from God, if God has called us, if he's told us to go and do mission, you know, we cannot make, if he's put this desire in our heart, we cannot make our decisions based on, on finances or anything else happening around us. You know, if we have that word from God, if he's told us, then we need to begin to take steps to do it. And as we take steps, he meets us. And I've, I've been, you know, walking with the Lord for over 20 years, 25, 24 and a half, 25 years, baptizing the Holy Spirit for 20. And he kind of always does it at the last minute. He provides. It's never before. And I, I'm, you know, I know Heidi Baker. I've, I've been, I know people on the board for, you know, Reinhard Bonnke and the biggest ministries in the world. And they never have the money first. They never, mm-hmm. ever, never means never. Wow. They never have the money first. <laughs> they say yes first. Wow. And, and when you say yes and you begin to move, it begins to come. And it's usually right at the last minute. And that way we know it's not us. We know it's him. And that's just his modus operandi. And that's the way he does it. And we live by faith. We have to live by faith. We make our decisions based on faith and the Word of God, wow. not on anything else. So if you got that yes from Him, you give Him your yes and begin to take those steps, and He will just meet you at every step. I love that. Give God your yes. You know, there's a, a John Wimber quote, and I know some others are using this. How do you spell faith? Yeah. <laughs> R-I-S-K, risk. Yeah. So, so Brian, this, this podcast is called Adventures in God. So mm-hmm. what is one of the most recent adventures that you've had that you feel led that you could share? Well, you know, when we're really living with Jesus, you know, it's not boring, you know. <laughs> so there's, there's always adventures, and every day is an adventure. Every day is a gift. You know, I love, uh, so when I get up and I go out and I'm looking for it. You know, I'm looking for adventure with him. I'm like, what does he want to do? I always have this picture in my mind from like 
Lord of the Rings, you know, of like Bilbo Baggins or Frodo or whoever it is, like running off. I'm going on an adventure, you know, from The Hobbit. Right. Going on an adventure, and, and uh, every day is an adventure with him. Uh, you never, anything's possible, you know. And if you're looking for him, uh, you can see him like all around you, everywhere. But let's see, a recent adventure. I, I've got, uh, you know, fun stories from all around the world. Uh, here's a cool adventure that happened one time in in uh, Mozambique. Like I was out with a man who, a great revivalist named Mel Tari. I don't know if you've ever heard of Mel, but he wrote, he led a great revival in the 1960s in, in Indonesia. I saw countless people come to the Lord, really shifted some things in this, in the largest Muslim, most populated Muslim country in the world. He's a spiritual father to Heidi and Roland Baker. And, and uh, it was the best man in their wedding like 40 years ago. Wow. We were in Mozambique and we were going on a bush outreach and we had to take uh, the Iris boat. At the time, this boat, Heidi and them had, had purchased this boat from the king of Spain and they gutted out the inside. They put bunk beds in it and they're using this boat for outreach in the bush. And me and Mel Tari and uh, maybe five or six Mozambican brothers and uh, we were going out to this boat. We have to take a dinghy, a little dinghy boat right. to get to the big boat. <laughs> and while we're going out, you know, on the dinghy boat, the boat begins to sink. Like the dinghy boat that we're on begins to sink. <laughs> and the, the guy who's driving it is like, scooping water out of the boat, trying to get the water out of the boat. And uh, everyone on the boat is kind of like, what in the world's going on, man? Like, And the boat's going down, it's going down, and we're in the, like the deepest bay. Like the Pimba Bay, Pimba Bay is like the deepest bay in that part of the world. It's like, it's a really deep bay. <laughs> and the boat's starting to sink, and the guy driving it says, someone's got to jump to keep the boat afloat. So we're all kind of looking at each other, and, and uh, I just had an accident in the gym where I tore my pectoral muscle. I was like, I can't even tread water, man. And this guy jumps out, Mozambican brother jumps out of the boat, starts swimming beside us. We end up getting to another person's boat that's docked off the, in the bay there. And we jump on their boat, board their boat. And I'm thinking the whole time, like, man, these people are like, or maybe if they're watching from the shore or like at the restaurant, they might think we're pirates or something. Like we're off the coast of Africa, you know, boarding their boat. It's craziness. And we were sitting there and kind of waiting to be picked up before we went, you know, on our outreach. And then we get on the boat. I'm just giving you like a couple of stories we get on the boat and we're going to the outreach and we're on a boat a little boat off the coast of africa there's no lights out there like no lights and we're we get to the place where the captain of the boat says this is where we're going for our bush outreach the village is you know a mile or so inland here heidi's already there she's taking the plane or whatever and we've come on the boat and and uh but there's a guy on the beach with a flashlight like flashing it to us and we're on this boat and we get in the dinghy and we're going in the middle of pitch black darkness off the coast of africa in this little boat it's like the navy seals or something i'm thinking who gets to do this <laughs> who in the world gets to do this except for like missionaries and navy seals <laughs> and we're not we're not coming to kill people we're coming to bring people life we're coming to bring people the gospel and then we get to the outreach and we get to preach to these people groups and you know i've had lots of adventures like this where you, you can't see where you're walking because it's so dark you don't know what you're walking on you have to take your shoes off and you're just walking for for you know a couple miles or something to get to a place where you're going to do outreach or you know just faith and i've seen young old men women people from all cultural backgrounds willingly go and do this and the happiest they've ever been in their lives uh, i'll kind of end with this i know a a friend of mine, he was a stockbroker in New York, made lots of money, made, met lots of famous people, and he was just totally miserable. And when it all crashed, you know, he just kind of hit rock bottom and gave his life to Jesus. And I met him in South Sudan in the middle of a war zone. 
a civil war in South Sudan in 2014, and we're going down this road in a flatbed truck, <clears throat> coming home from a church meeting where they had given us a, a goat as an offering. We had a goat in the back of the truck with us. I mean, wow. we were laying in the back of this truck, and he just stood up and he said, man, I'm the happiest man in the whole world. He's like, I've had everything. I met celebrities, but I'm the happiest I've ever been my whole life. Wow. So there's, there's nothing like an adventure with God in, in every day. You know, it is an adventure. Well, amen. Thank you so much for sharing. Uh, what is uh, one of the best ways, or how can our listeners stay up to date with you? Yeah, you know, uh, I, I do have a, a website, uh, crossworksinternational.com, or uh, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, you know, anything like that. If you send me a message, you know, I will message you back and pray for you, encourage you however I can. Well, thank you so much, Brian. I appreciate you. It's exciting what God is doing in you and through you. And thank you for sharing. And I know that I'm going to ask you to come on again sometime soon. Love to, love to anytime. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to our conversation and adventures in God. We hope that this podcast encouraged and inspired you to press into Jesus and launches you into your own adventure. You can stay up to date with Fireborn Ministries by going to our website, firebornministries.com, and like us on Facebook. And may you have your own adventures in God.